0: On the phone, we have the sports editor of the Boston Herald, Justin Pelletier, formerly of the Lewis and Sun Journal. And Justin, shout out to you—you you nailed it. The Patriots won by two touchdowns in the divisional round. How about that?
1: Well, they won by two touchdowns, ish, uh, right? I right, right, the point, right. By so.
0: thirteen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, are you as optimistic going into this weekend? I guess would be the first question. <laughs>
1: What's that now you want, to, you want me to pick this weekend? I mean, come no, on. What, well, what, what's this weekend? What's what's going on this weekend? There's nothing going on this weekend. I
0: think there's an AFC Championship game, and I think it's going to be cold. I think it's going to be in Kansas City, I think.
1: <laughs> oh, Kansas City barbecue.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, you know, you've got to have learned by now you don't bet against the Patriots in the big games like this, right? Right. It's 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 the second time around seeing this team this year. It's uh, against a team that thrives on offense, and what have the Patriots done against teams that have thrived on offense in the past? They make them look silly, right? That's just that's just that's their mo. That's what they've always done. Greater show on term knelt at the feet of the Patriots.
2: <laughs> love <laughs> it
1: and, and it's happened but it's happened it's, it's always happened right I, and it happened to the Patriots in reverse
3: mm-hmm. in
1: 2007 the right. Patriots were the offensive not. no one could stop them the Super Bowl was a great equalizer you know and, and in a game like this where you're facing a team that they themselves have a god awful defense let's start there I, I see some of these national publications Either giving the edge to the Chiefs or calling the defensive matchup even. I don't know where they're coming up with that. The Kansas City defense allowed 27 points per game this year. Yeah. I don't understand why the Patriots, who have given up the fifth-fewest points or seventh-fewest points of the year, are all of a sudden becoming even with or worse than this defense that gave up 27 points a game this year. I I don't understand why people are giving the Kansas City Chiefs the edge there. And and given that, I think the Patriots have the edge this week. I think it'll be a little closer, maybe eight. Call the Patriots by eight this week. How's that? Okay,
3: okay. I
0: feel that. Um, Right now on uh, BostonHerald.com in the sports section, you have um, Tom Keegan has a column about Bill Belichick and Andy Reid, foes and friends. Tell us a little bit about that relationship.
1: Well, it's funny. We were we were lucky because, of uh, course, uh, our columnist Tom Keegan uh, has spent the last 16 years of his life, or so, covering uh, Kansas out of Lawrence, Kansas, and so he still has uh, deep roots there, still has a home there, and so we were able to send him home to cover this uh, week lead-up. Oh, nice! And uh, so he's been camped out there. He uh, he, he allowed us to meet Patrick Mahomes' barber this week. <laughs> uh, we met a, a great tattoo artist in the in the city that uh, specializes in Mahomes and other Chiefs tattoos. Um, it's it's really been cool to have them out there, and and it's it, it you think it's a contrast in styles, right? And it really kind of is. Andy Reid has known more of his of this offensive mind, and Bill Belichick is really hung his at on uh, being a defensive coach. And so, and but they, one thing they've always had is a mutual respect. And the reason they've had that is because, A, they've both been very successful uh, overall at what they've done. Certainly, Bill has the uh, advantage in the playoffs. But uh, it's really interesting to see. I mean, any of these coaches that have been in the league a long time, most of them, for the, for the most part, have that mutual respect.
0: For sure. And then, um, what else do you have? Um, you know, at, we, we, all, we all know about what's Sunday, right? We just went over that. But what else is on the docket right now for the Boston Herald. What else are you covering at the moment besides Patriots, or is it really just all Patriots right
3: now?
1: <laughs> it's You know, you feed the beast this yeah. of the year. Um, and and the, the Bruins are what they are. They've had a couple of uh, up-and-down games here the last couple. Um, but they started to gain some traction a little bit, too. As, as the weather gets a little colder, and of course, as we're expecting this gigantic storm this week, right? Right. Uh, it, it's hockey weather. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, but that all takes a backseat. The, the Celtics, again, the up and down with the Celtics has been incredible. Um, yeah, no kidding. Losing <laughs> three straight to three not great teams. And then uh, all of a sudden you're beating Toronto. Like, what is going on here? But really, I mean, and, and you've, got, you've had a little bit of Red Sox hot still this week. The. Uh, chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America dinner was last night, uh, so we got to hear a little bit from Alex Cora and Dave Dombrowski, oh, nice. and a few of the players who were honored, uh, Ryan Brazier uh, among those, uh, Steve Pierce, now uh, that we're there, and so we got to hear uh, uh, from them, and, and we had a Hawk Hellson sighting like last night as well, so the Hawk. really cool, and, and uh, Roger Clemens was in the so... It was, it, was, it was a good evening for that, and to get a little of that, uh, their big winter weekend at Foxwoods is this weekend, so we'll have a little uh, update from there as well. So there's a little bit of everything, but you really talk about the discourse. It's all Patriots.
0: Why, why was Hawk Harrelson there?
1: <laughs> he, was, he was being honored, actually. Well, he was there because he was being honored with a Lifetime at, uh, in Baseball Achievement okay. uh, Award for the Boston chapter. Um, he of course so was part of that impossible dream season of 1967. Ah, there you go. Uh, here in uh, in Boston, he was essentially the uh, Tony Conigliaro replacement player that they traded for in that season. Okay. After the, the bean ball incident, and uh, he uh, uh, after that came back in the late 70s and early 80s was a broadcaster. Before becoming the well-known broadcaster for the Chicago White Sox, he was a broadcaster for six years with the Red Sox.
3: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: I actually and, did uh, not know that. That's uh, interesting. It was that, but he was always well liked here. Uh, he only played a season and a half in Boston, but everybody, uh, as he put it last night, nobody in Boston forgets anybody. <laughs> and, 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 he was one of those guys, he always felt welcomed here and he was always, he, he told some great stories. last thought it was great to have him around.
2: You know, uh, cause I'm of that vintage 1967, I was, uh, in, at Maine, but, uh, um, uh, that summer, I'd, I'd always been a Red Sox fan, but kind of casual. You know, I, I had a little transistor radio, and I'd pick up some games here and there, but they weren't on TV, and, you know, once in a while, you'd get a game of the week, and they'd be on, but there were no regional stuff at that time. So that summer of 67, when they were 100 to 1, nobody picked them to do anything. I was working at uh, a boys and girls camp in Damascotta Lake, the Camp Wavis, and uh, it was Harold Westerman, the AD at Maine, hired me to, when I was a, a freshman, to, to work there. And we didn't get, the nights off where you couldn't go off campus. So the nights off, you went down to the lodge, and, uh, and people, we, I always brought a transistor radio, and we listened to the Red Sox. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that was an incredible year. The cardiac kids, Harrelson, I love them because of that, I mean, that summer, I became a big time Red Sox fan just because it was so exciting you, you couldn't you couldn't not listen. Even when I wasn't off, I had my transistor radio up to my ear most of the try, trying to listen to it. It was fantastic and he was he was spectacular that summer.
1: He was great that summer and yeah, he, he had his best statistical season the following year as well. So um, he was he was great and uh... A lot of people in Boston were upset when he was traded out of town for a couple yes. of pitchers because the ownership at the time thought they needed more pitching.
0: So, what did Alex Cora have to say last night?
1: You know, it's, it's it, it, honestly not much more than uh, <laughs> you know what we've already heard a lot of from sure. him. Um, you know, playing around. Of course, he he uh, and and I, you know, watching him, you feel like he was completely serious. But he said, "You thought last year was play yeah. – wait till this year
2: i saw that on twitter you
1: Uh. know he's uh he he's banking on you know and he's not wrong you've got a lot of young guys that are poised to take that next step uh you talk to you about guys like devers and and even bogart who had his best season last year but i don't think he's hit his ceiling yet um benintendi has room for improvement and so he's he's really looking forward to seeing those guys take that next step Uh, and on top of that uh, he's excited about uh the vets and their attitude coming back uh, as well. So he was, he was all optimistic, as you'd expect. Uh, earlier in the day yesterday, he answered questions about uh, a variety of other things, including the potential White House visit. So, yesterday was a really good day just to really talk some hot dough and really get some Red Sox flavor uh, back into uh, the discourse, which obviously this time of year is tough because of the weather and just the timing. Well, uh, just remember, we're only three weeks yeah. away from pitchers and catchers here.
0: What's going on with that potential White House visit? Are they going to have some cheeseburgers with Trump? What's going on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the, the tentative the tentative date is set, um, but they've also said that if the shutdown is still going on, they may not go uh, or it may not happen. And so you
0: get uh, Wendy's anywhere. Still so
1: tentative at this point. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but they, they've got a date agreed to in principle. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, the government is still operational at that point or is back operational at that point. Right. <laughs> um, but there are a handful of players that have already said, yeah, we're going. Um, and Laura yesterday kind of hedged his uh, original statement a little bit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he had originally said, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to use the platform the right way. Uh, but apparently, uh, based on news or uh, things that have come out over the last uh, two weeks or so, he's now saying, I'm probably going to go. <laughs> So he went from definitely to probably. Um, okay. He continues to, to say that he's going to use the platform in the right way, no matter what, and that's that's really the big thing. There is is uh, is, is that is that part of it. He's not going to go and go raise a ruckus if he uh, if he doesn't have to, and that that sort of thing, which is which is uh, admirable.
0: Right, I got you,
2: Justin. You're going to laugh uh, talking about the Patriots getting all the all the ink. We uh, we have Travis Barrett on. Um, from Central Maine Sports. And he he said, does not like them. I he know. hates the Red Sox. and, and we He hates said, the Patriots. I'm sorry, hates yeah. the Patriots. And we said, why? He says, because I love the Red Sox. And one of the years that they were really good for the first time in a long time was one of the years that that uh, the Patriots were unbelievably good. And nobody was even talking about the Red Sox. And he said, I was so peeved about that, I've never liked the Patriots since. 1995.
1: <laughs> 1995. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's one of those... People here, the Red Sox. Everybody wants to say this is a Red Sox town and a baseball town, and it really was until the Patriots became relevant. Mm. And I think that it, it's completely shifted. And if you had to rank the pro sports here right now, it's it's Patriots one, and it's not even close. Red Sox two. Celtics are probably a closer three to the Red Sox two than the Red Sox two are the Patriots one and the Bruins are down there somewhere near NASCAR in Boston <laughs> it, it, it's awful Ouch. to say but that's just the, that's the, that's the pecking order in this town now and, and the diehards that love the Bruins still love the Bruins they're selling out every game it's not that's not the issue it's the non attendees excitement about the sport pretty that's good when you're for the Bruins and it's bizarre it's just really bizarre to me because it's, it's completely on its head
0: you know it's a good sports town when the fourth uh, favorite team is selling out every game I mean that's
1: well that's, uh... and that's exactly it I mean it's not that they're it's not that they're unpopular among their base it's that they're unpopular among those that have uh other rooting interests
2: sure Justin, the the uh Shoot, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? I got one if you you want to think about it. Okay.
0: (laughs) I saw you um, retweet an article from the Boston Herald um, uh, talking about uh, placing bets on uh, sports in Massachusetts. What's the update there? What's what's the possibility? What's going on?
1: Yeah, so our our Michael Silverman has been following this uh, for a little while. Uh, He uh, he has a unique uh, perspective because uh, he's been talking with the Red Sox uh, folks quite a bit about this. Mike Silverman, of course, uh, one of our baseball writers uh, and the, actually the, now the outgoing chapter president of the Boston Baseball Writers Association of America chapter. So uh, he's got a unique perspective on this. and uh, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. The governor himself is the one that put the legislation forward this week uh, to, to uh, follow suit with uh, Rhode Island. So Rhode Island, uh, of course, being kind of tucked into that uh, bottom neck of, of the state, Uh, of massachusetts has been siphoning a lot of business away from massachusetts Mm. uh twin river casino um and and there's another and i forget off the top of my head which one it is but they've been able to have allowed sports betting now uh you have to be in person there's no online uh betting through twin river and and uh and the other casino in in rhode island but you know as it's now become legal on the federal level the states have been able to decide on their own whether to uh, move forward with it. And Connecticut hasn't done that yet, even though it has the casinos infrastructure in place. They haven't moved forward with any sports betting. And so Massachusetts is really looking at the business side of things and realizing it could be a big business boom for them uh, based on the New Jersey model, which makes fun of New Jersey for a lot of things if you want. From the research that Mike did, They're actually making some pretty good money on the sports betting business in New Jersey, and it's a a decent model, especially now with the MGM open in Springfield, Massachusetts, and the new casino, uh, whatever it ends up being called here in Everett, Mass., which is close to Boston. um, They're going to end up with some uh, pretty good business out of this, I think, and it'll be a smart move for the state uh, from a financial standpoint. Um, There's going to be some fights for it or against it on the morality side, I'm sure, but uh, the, the reality is this is probably going to happen, and it's probably going to happen within the next six months.
2: I remember my story just <laughs> – so my mind's not totally gone. Uh, going back to where where the pecking order is, uh, when I was in college, that same era, uh, the Celtics were uh, eight, eight straight times they won the NBA championship. And during that time, I – One of my buddies was uh, from Philadelphia, and they were playing Philadelphia for the Eastern Conference Championship. So, playoff basketball, the winner goes to the NBA Finals. And we grabbed, we jumped in my car, we drove to Boston the day of the game. We go in the garden, we get great seats, uh, almost mid-court, oh, I'm gonna say, half, three-quarters of the way up uh, in that lower section, the day of the game, with no, I mean, we didn't have any advanced tickets, nothing. Walked in, bought our tickets, got seats, uh, no problem. I mean, that that's incredible. In the middle of that run, Yeah, the NBA seats available? Wasn't like it oh, is today. It was, well, no. even, you
1: know, even the beginning of that 1967 Red Sox season, they were only drawing 12,000, 13,000
3: people no. a
1: game. I mean, it wasn't like... It, it, the sports culture now is so different than it was, you know, even 25, 30 years ago, you know, the, the sellout streaks that all these venues have this, this sports base, this fan base in Boston is so spoiled. Um, yeah, they don't understand that going to seeing Florida with 10,000 people at a hockey game in, in, uh, sunrise, Florida or seeing 11,000 at a game in Arizona, uh, Laugh at it now, but that was here. That was this town as well. It wasn't always sellouts all the time, and, and people forget that sometimes.
0: For sure. So um, you're you're
1: confident. You're not
0: as confident as last week, but you are confident about the Patriots at Kansas City uh, this weekend. If you had to say, you know, the top two keys in your opinion to victory for New England against the Chiefs, what would they be?
1: Uh, well, the first thing you got to do is uh, figure out a way to uh, neutralize Tyreek Hill. Um, He has burned the Patriots the last two times they've played. And um, in that same vein, I guess call it 1A before I get to number two. Uh, But 1A is also – so they don't have Kareem Hunt anymore, obviously. But they haven't shown a, a, a slowdown, really, with Williams instead and they still run the same scheme, so it's it's being able to take away, you know, Kareem Hunt torched the Patriots the last two times they played, also. Yeah. And so to uh, to take away that piece of the offensive puzzle is going to be key. And I think the other the other piece, and it's stay it's still on the defense. But I think the offense is going to put up what it needs to put up. I think the Patriots' offense is going to be able to move the ball against Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be that much of a problem. I think the other key. Against the Chargers, what you wanted was the same thing what the Chargers wanted to do against the Patriots and couldn't do was the pressure up the middle because a pocket passer like Rivers and a pocket passer like Brady, when you disrupt them and get them outside the pocket, that's when they make their mistakes, and that's when they have have trouble. The opposite is true with Patrick Mahomes, and the edge rush is going to be critically important for the Patriots, and I think if they can provide the pressure on the outside edges – and force Mahomes to stay in the pocket, that's where they're going to have their biggest success in hurrying and rushing him.
0: There you have it. Justin Pelletier, he is the sports editor of the Boston Herald, of course, formerly of the Lewis & Sun Journal. Follow him on Twitter, jpel 915 Justin, thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully in one week we'll be uh, talking about, you know, a possible another Super Bowl appearance for New England. <laughs> Thanks so much.
1: Hey, we'll see.
0: We'll, we'll Thank you, see. you
1: guys.
2: Hey, take care,
0: Justin.